Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda Farrow. And I'm Michael Footer. Each episode will cover the biggest business beats and bring in expert commentary from lawyers, analysts, and industry pros. This is episode 142, The Console Supply Must Flow. such a dork empty shelves are the mind killer they really are (laughs) empty shelves are the mind killer i don't like what even sorry for the squeaky i went and i sat back on the couch because eventually see eventually one day we will have a recording studio we will have a recording booth maybe we we are planning for this it is a long process you see and in the meantime squeaky squeaky This episode sponsored by Squeaky Squeakies. No, not that kind of squeaky. Oh my god, stop. No, you have to be stopped. I think that your brain is officially empty shelves. See, the dog, the dogs have started getting BarkBox, and therefore we have all been getting BarkBox, if you know what I mean. Yeah, there's been a lot of squeaky toys in the house. Honestly, it's my fault. I did this. This is my fault. I regret almost nothing. Except for the fact that I'm looking over on our couch right now, and there are, I I shit you not, there are four squeaky toys. Yeah. On the couch alone, not including Ash's bed, she's turned into our youngest daughter, oh. who also fills her bed with stuffies, but they don't squeak. It's a little bit, you're not going to hear the dogs today. The dogs are actually both at the vet for dental work, and it's, my heart is breaking a little bit because we tried our best to keep their teeth clean and, and did not do a great job, and... So, forgive me if I'm a little like my poor babies today, but you won't hear them barking or rattling or anything like that because they're actually not in the house right now. They are not. They're not. Send 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 good thoughts for our doggos. Um, but into the relatively short show that we have in front of us, but we're kicking off. It's not into the unknown, though. It's not into the unknown. I could sing that. I know, and it would be really beautiful. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to discourage you from trying, singing. We don't want to get DMCA'd. But we don't want to get DM. No, by Didney. Did did Didney's gonna gonna mess with our lives, yeah. and that's not good. All right, so we're kicking off the news this week with the NPD U.S. video game spending report for September 22, courtesy of NPD and Matt Piscatella. Matt is a friend of the show. Always does an amazing job of putting this report together. Uh, and if you don't follow Matt on Twitter, it's at Matt Piscatella in the show notes. You can see a link to this thread where he posted all this. But let's talk here. September saw another decline, but not quite as steep as the double digits we've been seeing in recent months or near double digits we've been seeing in recent months. Huh. That'll be, it's going to be interesting. To, we're going to get into why that happened, uh-huh. but it might have something to do with the name of the show. It may, folks. It, you know, we're nothing if not self-spoiling over here. I mean, I have to give all the credit to Mike. He's the headline guy. He's always been the headline guy. When I used to be a journalist, I would go to him even when we didn't work together. And I'm like, this headline sucks. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Total spending is down for the month 4% compared to September 2021, hitting $4.1 billion. Year-to-date spend across categories is down 8% to $38.4 billion. That's actually an improvement. It is. It is. We were down, I think, a total of like 9 9% 9% earlier in the year. Now I we're down only so. 8%. But uh, we are on track for some big downs uh, uh, when yeah. the year ends in just a couple of months. As we have talked about a number of times throughout the, I guess, the last three, four months, I think, 
um, since we started getting the reports in, the quarterly financial reports in from the big companies, we are 100%, and this has been confirmed by the Financial Times, we are 100% heading towards a global recession at the end of the calendar year. So things are rough out there. Yes. They are rough. But, but we can talk about video games, and video games are, you know, I mean, decline, but not terrible. I, I think... As we, as we lead into this conversation, talking about a global recession, video games clearly proving we are not recession-proof. No. We're we, are, recession we are recession-insulated, yeah. but we are not recession-proof. Because everything comes because um, entertainment is considered a luxury. It shouldn't be considered a luxury for a number of reasons, but that's a different conversation for another time. Um, possibly a very labor-oriented conversation. But it's important to note that gaming is considered a luxury. Luxury requires liquid spending money in order to get there and as recessions hit and inflation continues to be brutal and people lose their jobs things are going to get bad out yeah. there but for now let's talk about hardware hardware performed well this month jumping 19 percent compared to september of 2021 this is the third month in a row of double digit growth indicating that supply is starting to open up see the console supply must flow now makes complete sense to you and you didn't even have to wait that long you yeah. had to wait like five and a half minutes like we did you a solid that's all right you're welcome you're, <laughs> you're you're welcome okay remember we don't want to get dmca'd <laughs> oh, yeah, i can't sing that song either <laughs> darn, it. darn it yep darn it. all right so ps5 uh drove the jump in hardware and led the month in both unit and dollar sales the Nintendo Switch was number two in unit sales, and the Xbox Series was number two in dollar sales. This is a really interesting spread. We don't it often is. see a spread like this. No, it doesn't happen very often. Usually we'll see, you know, a console is leaving, leading units, a console is leading dollars. Sometimes it's the same console, but it's usually the second, the console in second place is usually leading both. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really, it's an interesting, it's an interesting perspective. And as we continue to see the evolution happening over at Nintendo to see what's coming next, because we are heading into year six mm -hmm. of the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. So we'll have to see what they have planned for us, if anything, in the new year. I, I just, and I know I've said this on this show before, but I hope it retains the form factor, the dual, the dual form factor, the dual usage case, use case thing being able to play it in handheld and dock it on the tv has just been so great for the switch and so great for switch users true 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 um i want to talk about software as we talk about a global recession we talk about how the pandemic actually helped the video game industry i'm thinking if the pandemic had hit 15 years ago mm -hmm. in the thick of the xbox 360 and playstation 3 era before the age of day and date digital releases as a standard in the industry when most releases yeah. were physical do you remember that? Do you remember when digital was kind of an afterthought? I do. Because there was no infrastructure? I Yes. And I actually wrote a piece when I was at Game Informer as we as we started to trend, trend into the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 era about how digital was going to be important and, why, and how digital was going to be relevant if some changes were made. And one of those changes was... Ra rapid and frequent discounting yeah because if you looked at digital back in the xbox 360 and playstation 3 era those games were never discounted their prices never dropped even when physical dropped so nobody was incentivized to buy digital if the pandemic had hit back then when you think about all of the disruption we had to the global supply chain yeah 
people would have been able to get games at the start of the pandemic. And then not so and much. And then not so much because shipments would have been coming in. It actually, we would have, I think, seen a very different complexion on the video game industry if this had happened during the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 era versus when it did, when digital is, you know, omnipresent. Prevalent. Prevalent, omnipresent. Um, ubiquitous, even. Uh, so it's it's just something that, that I got thinking about. I think that's a really, that's a really interesting, it's a really interesting way of putting it. I like that. So the shift to digital has been so beneficial for the industry. Uh, and honestly, as long as your internet isn't absolutely terrible, I'm looking at you telecoms in Canada. Uh, <laughs> yeah, womp womp. Going home and going home to Canada in the summertime and realizing, oh, wow, we have it bad up there in terms of telecoms. You do. It's, I'm sorry. It ain't great. It ain't great. Um, but anyway, it, as long as you have a solid internet connection and you don't have data caps, I mean, digital is fantastic. It really, really is. Uh, but let's talk software. Software dropped 7% year over year in September to $3.4 billion. The drop was cushioned by a double digit increase in non-mobile subscription spending. So Ooh. that is your Game Pass. That is your Nintendo Online. That is your PlayStation Plus. Right. So those subscriptions continuing to to bear out the business plan yep. i think it, i think this is all working really 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 well so far and we'll see if that keeps up obviously there are some there's some fear about subscriptions but that's that's a conversation for another day it, is. Uh, it was a conversation a little bit for last week as we talked about the cma and we're going to talk a little bit more about that moving forward uh in investment interlude uh there were six new releases in september in the top eight that also helped br- uh buoy this number a little bit again even with Double-digit increases in non-mobile subscription spending. And even with six new releases in the top eight, we're still down 7%. Dang. And I and I do think we are now at the point where that is, an, that is directly related to hardware supply. And even though supply is improving, you've got people who are just coming into this corner of the ecosystem. Sure. In and a it's, way that, two, it's yeah. two years later now at this point. It is. Well, it is the it is the season of sports games in September. It really freaking is. It's the season of sports games. So we saw FIFA, FIFA yep. 23, the last time the EA is going to have their hands on FIFA, which <laughs> is kind of a downer for FIFA, not yeah. for EA. EA Football Club will be just fine. It'll be just fine. Um, FIFA 23 debuted at number one. Yep, Madden NFL 23 dropped from number one to number two, hanging in there. NBA 2K23 debuted at number three. Splatoon 3 debuting at number four. And just as a reminder, Nintendo does not report digital sales. So that is physical only. The Last of Us Part 1 debuted at number five. I think this is not a surprise to me. But also at the same time, why are you right? I don't, un- I don't, don't understand. Don't worry about like, it. I know it's the- not for us. Yeah. I mean, look, I am going to play this game. I'm just, I am right now in the place where it's like, I don't want to, I'm going to play it at a lower price point. Personally, sure. I just. Listen, I'm on an indie kick again. Oh, no one's surprised. No one's surprised. No one's surprised. Yeah. Uh, TMNT, the Cowabunga Collection. Hey. I love it. Debuted at number six. We love that. Saints Row dropped from number two to number seven. Which is not so That's not bad terrible. given the reviews and given the reception on that game. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe they've made some changes. Maybe they've they, made they, some changes. There's tweaks. a roadmap. Great. Yeah, there's a roadmap. I'm glad that people are hanging on because yeah. you know what? The, even though Saints Row games are not necessarily for me. I love them so I much. Love, I love the love. I love the love. Yeah. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle debuted at number eight. 
Uh, Elden Ring dropped from number four to number nine, considering this game has been out now for almost half a year. More. More? Is it, it was more February, than... wasn't it? Was it February? February or... or I, I thought think. it was March. Uh, uh, I might be losing uh, my mind. Uh, anyway, it's been out for look. more than half a year. And I'll, honestly, I don't understand how time works most of the time, and I blame my ADD. February 25th. Oh, see? I really don't know how time works. Yeah. So that's been out for quite some time, and it just dropped to number nine? I think we're going to see a spike around Christmas, too. I also, I agree with that. Yep. Honestly, I really do. Yeah, I think, I think December's going to be a really interesting report. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mario Kart 8 dropped from number 6 to number 10. Again, digital sales are not included in that. Everybody loves Mario. And you know what? We're probably part of that a little bit because we bought our daughter a Switch. Oh, yeah. And we bought <laughs> before, her a copy of Mario Kart, didn't we? <laughs> before we sent her off to college. Yeah, that's you know, because we wanted her to be the cool kid in the dorm room and have all the all the nerdiest stuff in her room. And you know what? She is. Yeah, she she really is. She is the nerdiest, dorkiest kid who is also the coolest. Yeah, I mean, not many kids get to bring an Xbox One X, a PlayStation 4 Pro. Wait, does she have the Pro or does she have the standard? No, she has the Pro. Does she? We had From an upstairs? extra Pro. We had an extra Pro? Yeah. Because I had to replace mine. Damn. Isn't that what that is? No, I think it might just be a regular PS4. At any rate. And she, she has, has a, and she has a brand new Switch. That you know, have. listen, we spoil our kids. because we Spoil we our kids them. with video games. We're we doing do. our part. We're doing our part. We're giving part. back to the big publishers that need us. Right. We That's not how we're giving... Too. No. We stand, Dad. We stand a corporation in this house. Wait, no. We. I'm sorry. I'm just... Uh, checking I'm, your notes. Checking my notes. No, I'm sorry. We don't stand corporations <laughs> in this house. My bad. Sorry. We, had, we quickly had to go and talk to our producer who's literally sitting right next to you. Producer says, "I'm just this just in. Uh, we don't stand corporations in this house. Correct. Yeah, correct. <laughs> All right. Anyway, other notables: um, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, Cod Blops Cow, Cod Blops Cow. I guess I don't even know. Um, back in the top twenty at number fifteen from number twenty-five. Uh, I am really excited and interested to see where Modern Warfare Two pops in because that campaign reviews are not. I, I yeah. just I don't I don't play." I don't play I Call know. of Duty games. Cod Blops. And I definitely don't play Cod, Cod Blops. Codmow? No. Codmo? No. Codmo 2? No. I The last Call of Duty game I played was Call of Duty 2. Ooh. Oh. That was it. it well, that was many years ago. And that was when back when Call of Duty was just a World War II game. Yeah. And I love World War II games, so I played a lot of those back in the day. She but wants I her have. Scalps. <laughs> now want my scalps exactly <laughs> assassin's creed valhalla back in the top 20 at number 18 from number 36 dragon ball z kakarot back at 20 from 39 all right amanda take us through mobile all right mobile's suffering y'all it's suffering down five percent year over year mobile is now only 54 percent of the total u.s game spend down from 60 percent last year New game installs, now this is the part that worries me. New game installs are down sharply. 40% year over year for hyper casual and down 3% overall, which is the lowest since February of 2019. So while we are heading back to pre-pandemic numbers, and I have a I have a feeling I know why that is, it's it's still it's not alarming because we knew there was going to be an overcorrect, especially on mobile, but I think that because People are not releasing games on the same cadence, especially hyper-casual games that are sticky. It's not in the same cadence as it once was. Yeah. Uh, 
I wonder how Marvel Snap is going to impact that now that it's fully out around the world. I haven't tried it yet. I've downloaded it. I haven't tried. It I yet. downloaded it this morning, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm interested in I'm interested in seeing it. Listen, I I love even though, you know, I'm absolutely, uh, I'm absolutely a player on on every console on every system, including VR. I do love my hyper casual games. I do. I just like to sit here, and it just helps. When I'm watching television and my brain is like, girl, you should be doing something with your hands. And I'm like, oh, I don't knit. I don't crochet. I could play a hyper casual game, though. Yep. I can match all those threes. <laughs> I can match all the threes. Watch me go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Rounding out this report, accessories were flat in September, marking the first month of the year that there has not been a decline in accessories. This is due to an uptick in gamepad spending. And while headsets still declined, uh, you know, that gamepad spent really uh, balanced it out. And I think that we're going to see that trend continue into next year when, when Sony's new controller comes out. We'll see what the Victrix uh, BFG Pro does. Yeah, we I really definitely, like that controller when we... I definitely am giving that some serious side eyeball emojis yeah. on, on, in, in every way. That Victrix controller, man, that's, yep. that's legit. It's a legit yep. controller. Anyway... So it'll be interesting to see how that's impacted by the continued console supply flowing. Um, yeah. Last note on this, the Xbox wireless controller Carbon Black, so a standard Ooh. controller, led unit in dollar sales. Usually that's the, the Elite Series V2, like, is usually at the top but that's there. A, but that's a good controller. Um, or the, Dual like Sense, the DualSense controller is really nice, yeah. Uh, yeah we have a couple of these, uh, of the standard Xbox controllers. Because you've got them. your Forza one. We've got the custom, we did the design lab one for virtual economy and I've got the 20th anniversary one. And then I have a whole bunch oh, of yeah, Space Jam ones. Oh yeah, you have a Jam whole ones. bunch of Space Jam ones that came in. Yeah. And my Canada, or my not Canada, Canada. Yeah. The red one. The red one, which yeah. is in my backpack now. It's now my portable. <laughs> you also got, cause you got the cyberpunk console. You've got the cyberpunk controller. That's sitting upstairs in our yeah. bedroom but that's for an some Xbox. reason and I don't know why. Oh, cause I was trying to use it with, um... I was trying to use it with streaming to the TV and it, did, it just did. It I, didn't work. I was experimenting yeah. to the Apple TV, which it just didn't work. Not the so connection much. to the Apple TV was not good. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's everything on the MPD report. Uh, beefy start to the show. The rest is going to flow like spice or console supply. Uh, it's time for investment interlude where we talk about mergers, acquisitions, new investments. Uh, sometimes we talk about SPACs and pipes, but not today. Honestly, we haven't really talked about SPACs or pipes a whole lot this year because SPACs and pipes are definitely on the out. Yes. They are on the outside, but we talk about money. Yeah, first, money. First up in money, we've got the Embracer Group subsidiary Asmodee has acquired VR Group, which does not, in fact, uh, make VR games. This was really confusing. Like, this is the worst named company. I'm I so hate sorry. It. I, I if hate you, it. If your initial, if, like, if it's your initials or something, like... Victor Romanov or something. This is my this is my group VR group. It's like I feel really sad for you because everybody's gonna assume you're making you're making VR, VR games. games. Like but if you're not. You, if you're making moves in video games or in tabletop Hello, games, maybe VR. Maybe maybe VR is not not no. the way. So VR Group is actually a gaming products distributor in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. The two companies, so Asmodee and VR Group have been working together for the last six years. Existing leadership will continue in their roles and no terms were disclosed. No, they were not. Uh, so in case uh, you have not heard us talk about Asmodee in the past, they are the world's largest tabletop publisher. I believe that's that's 
they're the largest, right? There's I think nobody they're the largest. Who's... No one's, no one else is as big. They own so many companies. Yeah, they own Fantasy if, Flight and Z-Man. Listen, Z-Man if and... if Embracer owns every everything, it feels like sometimes if Embracer owns like all the things in video games, Asmodee owns basically all the things in tabletop. Yes. Uh, moving on. Jeff Strain's Pritania Media. Jeff Strain was the co-founder of uh, ArenaNet. Yep. And founder, co-founder of Undead Labs, which is now owned by Microsoft. That's the State of Decay studio. Uh, they've just opened their second studio, Crop Circle Games, joining Possibility Space under the Pritania umbrella. Studio is funded with $25 million in investment, led by Transcend Fund, with additional partners participating. The studio is led by Jessica Brunel, formerly of Undead Labs, creative director Doug Williams, formerly of Undead Labs, art director Ocala Scott Bellows, formerly of Undead Labs, <laughs> design director Nick uh, Maley, formerly of Undead Labs, uh, tech director Braden Shoza, formerly of ArenaNet, oh. a different Jeff Stream studio. Oh. Uh, and I love this. Narrative director Josh Sher, who was at Naughty Dog for a number of years. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, other... Members of the studio, they have a fully fleshed out team. Looks relatively diverse too, which I like to see. Not, yeah, and not even just like in terms of where they're located because we have folks in the United States and folks in Canada. Um, they're, yeah, a wide array of folks from all over the industry and a pretty diverse range of humans. They hail from places like Phenomena. R.I.P. Yeah, okay. I'm really glad that y'all are landing here. Yeah. Quite frankly, and anyone who got stuck in the legit shit show that was Phenomena, I wish you nothing but success and happy dreams in the future. Um, So Phenomena, really happy for those folks. Undead Labs, Ubisoft Toronto, and a bunch of other studios. So yeah, there's a a pretty healthy mix of... um, Pretty healthy mix of folks from all across the industry, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. Nicely done. Very cool. All right. Last Uh, week... (laughs) <laughs> last week, last week, we talked about this last, last week. Last week, I knew, what he, I knew what he meant. He's got to go in there and fix it, though, for uh, his own posterity. Yeah, it's my own little brain worm. All right, so last week, we talked about the updates to the Microsoft Activision, Activision acquisition, Activision acquisition. Sorry, it took me a second for my brain and my mouth to form Peter those Piper words. picked a peck of pickled peppers. Thank you. Uh, with a lot of emphasis on the CMA decision and Microsoft's response. Now, one thing that was surfaced since then by The Verge is that Microsoft disclosed to the CMA that it is planning a, quote, next generation game store. Yeah, this is really interesting. The idea, at least the way it's spelled out in Microsoft's response to the CMA phase one decision, is that this will be an expansion of the Xbox store to mobile that will leverage Activision Blizzard's content. And the goal put bluntly, is to pull users from iOS and Google Play stores, and that the store will be in alignment with the open App Store principles that Microsoft announced in February of this year. Which we covered fairly extensively. Mm -hmm. I really dug into those open App Store principles. So Call of Duty Mobile and Candy Crush would give uh, Microsoft a strong start in a market segment that that it has no presence, no real presence in currently. Uh, Microsoft, as you may be aware, has also been partnering on cloud devices. Logitech has... A cloud device that's really designed for it Xbox Game Pass. It is light as heck. I went to a Logitech event with uh, a good friend of mine who is a Logitech partner. And I got to tell you, I put that thing in my hands. It's real light. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I, I it's just, definitely just for cloud. I mean, And we it's don't also need Wi-Fi it. only. We don't need it because we have a Steam Deck and that's perfect for us. And I've installed the Xbox Cloud Gaming on, this, <laughs> on our Steam Deck, so... So, I mean, like, what would we even need it for? I think I need to install it on your profile. I don't need it. 
I'm good. It's it, Do, I have you? I have Vampire Survivors. Are you sure? Yes, I have Vampire Survivors, Disney Dreamlight Valley, and now Potionomics, which I'm is just exceptional. Saying, you might just want that cloud gaming right in your Steam Deck, yeah, just like inject it in and be like, No, I don't need it. Oh yeah, that's the good stuff. That got that good, good. Got that good, good. Got that good, good. And then also Razer um has a has a cloud and i think theirs well. comes in two flavors i think it comes with a wi-fi only and there's a i think there might be a, a mobile broadband version i mean that's cool yeah i just razor's I done razor's done yeah. some cool stuff I yeah mean, i just i just i don't this is not this is not a product for us that's okay but it might be a product for somebody which is great which i love there is it there's obviously an actual use case for mm-hmm. this unlike i'm sorry what uh google stadia that, that's the one yeah anyway yep that is the end of investment interlude and now it's time for a break. Virtual Economy is an F squared initiative. And along with pro bono business consulting for up and coming developers, it's a way we are working to give back to the community that has already given us so much. To find out more about F squared and the services we can provide, including pitch prep, media training, mock reviews, and business strategy guidance, visit our website at fsquared.biz. And we are back. Hey, Mike. What time is it? It's time for quick hits. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Is that all right? Hey guys, what do you think? Was that okay? That was pretty good. Did I hit that quick? <laughs> also, someone needs to hit us up about making quick hits t-shirts because I'm I'm not a I'm not an artist, even though I'm a designer. And I, I really just need us to have quick hits t-shirts. Right. <laughs> like so bad. Hit good. me up. Hit me yeah. up. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I wanted them nice and soft. Like a good quick hit. Like a good, good, good. Like a good, good. Like a good, good. Okay. So first up on our list today, Steam has set a new concurrent user record, hitting 30 million people over the weekend. Yeah, that was on Sunday, October. Today's the 25th, 24th, 23rd. Nailed it. Got it. <laughs> this is how my brain works, folks. You gotta count from somewhere. It's either backwards or forwards. I don't do time, as we've already established. Uh, the last record was uh, 28 million set in January of 2022, which in theory was this year. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> in theory, January 2022 was this year? Yeah. How do we test this theory? <laughs> How do we scientific method this this time thing? I'm not super <clears throat> certain, but we need to stop asking me about time or measuring time or feeling time or anything like that how does uh, you know what <laughs> don't Moving ask on. mikey time mikey that's time. how mikey time <laughs> ask me about mikey time later uh robert kurvitz a writer who worked on disco elysium has filed suit against zaum the studio that released disco elysium you might recall we talked about the uh really strange alarming post that kind of came out a couple weeks ago that key people from the disco elysium team were removed from the studio that the uh, cultural organization that built Studio Zoom is has been dissolved. It's very strange. Uh, Kotaku Australia confirmed via the Estonian Ministry of Justice website that a that a suit was filed by Kurvitz's company Telomere. Uh, though a court date uh, is set for November twenty eighth, it's unclear as yet what Kurvitz is seeking in terms of restitution. I'm wondering if this is an attempt to wrest the uh, rights away from the company and i don't know how that's gonna fly messy 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 
messy. It's very messy. But you know what? Yeah. And those were quick picks. Wow, they were really quick they today. They were really quick. There were two of them. It's a, it's a, it's a brisk week. And we're taking it at a brisk pace. We are. To get right into the meat of the show, which is always what? The labor report. The labor report. I'm glad that we have a labor report. Like, I've been thinking a lot about this and how our our show has changed so much since 2020 when we first launched and we were not really sure what the show was. And now we've settled into what we are and it's like, well, big chunk of our of our show is the labor report. So settle in, I guess. Yup. So we're, we're revisiting a couple of stories this week. First up, uh, we discussed the closure of G4 TV last week, right? Since then, Washington Post reporter Nathan Grayson has compiled an extensive story about what happened. You got to read it. It's excellent. It's in the show notes. It's in the show notes. Don't, don't sleep on this. Um, in this report, Grayson discusses a string of managerial problems, funding issues, and rapid pivoting. Oh my God, the rapid pivoting to chase metrics on different platforms. That's the one that's really, that's the one that says to me that leadership had no idea what it was doing and no idea how to build a community and build an audience for a media property around games in 2022, 2021, 2022. So yeah, please do read that entire story. It is linked in the show notes. Uh, next up, we have yet another weird twist in the Bayonetta 3 voice acting story. If you didn't listen last week, please go and do, even if you just listened to the end of the episode where we talked about the Bayonetta 3 story, because we didn't, we didn't want to and, and continue to not want to dive into the interpersonal muck that this story brings with it, but we, uh, we felt it was important to put context around the numbers that Helena Taylor had indicated that she was offered for voicing the entirety of Bayonetta 3. Yeah. And so we talked extensively and we, we talked to a number of voice actors under condition of anonymity. They did not want to be named, uh, named as sources, but there were people who were willing to step up and talk to us about SAG after rates, help us understand the rate sheet and really make sure we understood the context around that $4,000 number. <laughs> Literally as we were recording, the end of the show, the segment last week, as we were wrapping up, Bloomberg broke the news that Taylor was actually offered far more than she claimed and that she had denied, declined that and requested a six-figure amount to record the role. Following that, Taylor has walked back her original story, which was told in four videos in a thread on Twitter. I guess now, what, a week and a half ago? Yeah. Boy. Yeah. Uh, so she's walked back her original story, admitting that she was first or offered $10,000. Still not enough. Then after sending a letter in Japanese to executive director Hideki Kamiya, she was offered $15,000. Now, Still not enough. I, there is a, there is a place for us to have a conversation about what voice actors are paid. Which is not enough. It's not enough. There is a place, a way for us to have a conversation about fair rates. There is a way for us to have a labor conversation. But if we don't start that conversation from a place of full transparency and honesty, we've lost the fight. We have harmed the discussion. And I feel, and I feel, and I fear that Helena Taylor's decision here to be less than honest about... Uh, the way things rolled out in this has actually really harmed um, 
the the conversation around fair pay for voice actors, not just in video games, interactive entertainment, but also in anime where there have been the the pay is even worse. The stuff it's that we saw coming worse. out of, of Crunchyroll, right? It's way worse. And it's garbage. Just to be clear, it doesn't matter whether or not I agree with Taylor's approach on this one. It doesn't matter whether or not what my opinion about Taylor as a person is. That's irrelevant to this conversation. But also escalating to boycott on... F- on. <sighs> but it also I'm going to use the word, us, on a lie. I mean, but it also shows us how willing people are to believe in in making sure that fair wages happen for workers in games. I love that. I never want that to stop, even when there are... Well, and that's my less big than fear. The, well, but, but even when there are less than truthful accounts of what happened. I never want, though, and what did come out of this that was extremely harmful was the harassment of Jennifer Hale, the harassment of Hideki Kamiya, who, quite frankly, also acted as a lightning rod around it, which was... It was not the best choice because it made him look like the bad guy. Yeah. And he was... And And clearly was in the right here. Look, because and at the same time, Hideki Kamiya has also been... A very challenging person to work with, from yeah. my understanding. Yep, and you know his whole Twitter persona is blocking people who ask him questions he thinks are stupid or whatever. Which is fine. Protect your yeah. peace. I don't care about that. It's more along the lines of I've just heard he's a very difficult person. Yeah. So she rejected the fifteen thousand dollar offer. Then Platinum, wanting to keep her involved, offered her four thousand dollars for a cameo role to keep her in- engaged in the project. That is the four thousand dollars. But. Right. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, she rejected that offer. Again, we had this huge discussion last week. Jumped to the labor report. I think it was like at an, at an hour and 19 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes. Somewhere is where we started. It was the it last was a thing we discussed. It was a chunky show. Yeah. Uh, we were under an hour and a half, though. Last I week. mean, that's, that's better. It is better. Uh, so, in her videos, she said, quote, the final offer to do the whole game as a buyout flat rate was $4,000 US. That is a lie. That's a lie. She was offered 10000 and then she negotiated up to 15000 and that Still was not enough. not enough. And she, that's understandable that it's not enough. Bayonetta is an iconic, an iconic character with an iconic voice, and I understand. I would have been ticked off at such a small price too. She personally. got... Just to be clear, and again, we want to put this in context, and and we'll allow uh, you know people to make their decisions about the about this. Three thousand pounds she got for the first game. She got a little bit more for the second game. So let's say she got four thousand pounds for the second game, and is now going up to fifteen thousand U.S. dollars, which is um, closer to you know triple, more than triple what she got for Bayonetta two. Again. We do need to have a conversation about what fair rates are. Yes, 100%. in voice acting. But this is clearly a studio who has said, "We value you so much. We are tri- more than tripling your rate." And to be clear, fifteen thousand dollars is probably closer aligned with SAG after rates for somebody returning for this role. Sure. And the SAG after contract, by the way, expires in a couple of weeks. So it'll be very interesting so to see what I happens. Will, I will be very interested to see what happens with that. If you are not familiar with SAG AFTRA as a as a bargaining unit, go do some research. There's some really good stuff out there. Um 
Mike wrote a lot about it in the in the early days, yep. like twenty fifteen, early twenty sixteen. Um, when the interactive, when the, when voice actors were, were rallying around, it was time to renew their contract. Um, you know, there was a right way and, and, uh, uh, let's call it a less right way to go about having this conversation, but breaking your NDA and not being transparent and truthful with an audience while calling for a boycott. I, this is, I do not agree with this. Um, I shared I shared the video thread and said, this is, this is something important to watch. Yep. And it was right after it happened. It was certainly before the pile on. I do not regret sharing it. I think it was important. And I do think it is important that if someone is taking the risk to break NDA, to come forward with, with a labor experience that is absolutely abysmal, that we believe them, that we that we give them the benefit of the doubt, and we don't let someone who has manipulated a fan base ruin that for everyone else. Sure. Um, I hate the fact that Jennifer Hale was 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 dogpiled. That's not cool. No, that's horrible. And everything I've heard from about Jennifer from her peers is glowing. Yeah. And that she is a labor advocate. She yeah. is leading the charge Honestly, on the interactive she, front. From from my understanding about Jen Hale. She is like voice acting gay mom. Yeah. That's what I understand about her. She's very warm. She's very nurturing. She's very like humble. So I don't know. That really bugs me. Me too. You know what? Most of this labor report bugs me. So let's move on to the thing that bugs me less. Yeah, Mm. this doesn't bug me as much. In fact. This is a good one. This is a good one. We're starting with a good one. and then We're starting with a good one. And then we're moving into something that really bothers me. And then we're closing with a good one. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's a it's pretty a, good cadence. I mean, Activision is always a shit sandwich, but less of one let's, today. Let's, well, the, <laughs> okay. I'm changing the episode title to shit sandwich. Yeah. Activision Blizzard, the shit sandwich that kept on giving. All right. Activision Blizzard employees working toward unionization have been handed another win. And we do love to see this. This is not the thing that bugs me. It's not at all. It's the second story in this that bugs me. Yeah. Um, the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, has approved uh, Blizzard Albany QA workers in unionizing. The studio, formerly known as Vicarious Visions, pouring one out for Vicarious Visions, has 21 QA testers who will be able to vote in a union election. The team is currently working on Diablo 4, Diablo 2 Resurrected, and World of Warcraft. I think it breaks down to 15 testers on Diablo 4, 5 testers on Diablo 2, and 1 on WoW. Got it. So the NLRB calculated that um, associate test analysts make $20.19 per hour, which is just shy of $42,000 if they work every week in the year. Every single week. Every week. No, no weeks off. Zero weeks off. By contrast, employees in other departments make fifty six to one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah. So it's this salary discrepancy that motivated the NLRB to allow the the organizing unit, and I, I think that this is this is another boon for QA workers in the game industry. I think that if anyone needs to unionize in the game industry, it is QA. QA is the least respected and should be the most lauded mm-hmm. on a game team. And I keep going back to this every single time we talk about it. Every single time we talk about it. Go back, listen to our episode with Carrie Toyama um, talking about private division 
and yep. QA and how they handle things holistically with with their within their publishing house. It's so important. It's such an important celebration of QA and why QA is so important. Yep, absolutely. So that was good thing number one. Yay! Now for the stuff in the middle. Oh, I hate this one. Uh, Activision, we talked about this last week. Activision has a new chief communications officer. Her name is Lulu Chang Maservi. She was formerly on the board. She was part of the three-person group that cleared um, Activision Blizzard of any wrongdoing from inside the house, like, because that matters. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we can trust that. So uh, she, she needs to get off Twitter. Uh, mostly for our peace of mind, but also because she is just doing damage with every single thing she tweets. Um, and she seems to have picked up the torch from torture advocate Rand Townsend, who was last in the role that was very similar to this role. Uh, one of the things that, uh, <laughs> Maservi did was, uh, she was in a pretty much a one way Slack channel and did some, un- did some light union busting. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, just as a little far bit as, of light union busting. As far as light union busting goes, I feel like union busting is probably not something that happens on a scale. No, it's probably you are union I, busting or you are not. I mean, I, I think she was, she was, she was full on busting, busting a union. Uh, and so, this busting does not make you feel good. No. So Code CWA has filed an unfair labor practice charge against the company due to the conduct in Slack channels. Uh, Maservi is accused of union busting via that message in a one-way channel. Um, and quote from, uh, this is from Code CWA's uh, Twitter account where they shared this, quote, disparaging the union, making threats to withhold raises and benefit improvements from workers who join the union, and giving workers an impression that their union affiliation and or support was under surveillance. All Gross. of those are bad, 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 bad. Do Gross. Do that. Uh, the message, which called for direct dialogue, was made in a way that almost no one could reply to it. In other words, not worth the digital paper it was written on. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part of this that really, really bothered me. And honestly, giving an... I, I just... I want to... I honestly want to give a fuck around award. Yeah. Well, we will. Her. We're just waiting. We're waiting like, for literally... the find out. We're waiting for the find out. Because the fuck around, it's here. We're, we're noting the fuck around. Yes. The find out... Always coming. You know, FAFO is a is a process, folks. It, <laughs> you know, we but poured, we're noting the fuck around now. We poured now. some of those fuck around grapes into this cask, stomped on them a little bit, put the lid on. Now we're just waiting for it to ferment into a nice glass of finding out. Oh my gosh. That's the way we rebrand. That's the way. <laughs> That's the way. Oh my God. Can you imagine FAFO wine? Oh, FAFO Fa- wine. <laughs> Tastes like... It would be the worst. Something. <laughs> It sure is a taste. Sure is a taste. That's awful. Okay, but not awful, though, is our final labor story. Another loss for Activision Blizzard. We love to see it. California's Civil Rights Department, formerly known as the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Wow, what a rebrand. Yeah, that's a great rebrand. I I love that. They have announced that the appellate court has denied Activision's request to demiss the CRD's suit filed in July of 2021. This was the big this was the big suit. This, this was huge. the DFEH suit, which this is, is what the we DFEH have been calling. This is the DFEH suit, it. absolutely. So while the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission rolled over with an 18 million dollar settlement, like the absolute pains in the butt that they are, the CRD is out for blood. Yeah. As they should be. And after the 100 million dollar settlement with Riot, it has precedent that should terrify Activision and Activision's board. So hopefully this is good news. This is really good news for the people who were affected by Activision's frat frat boy culture, the harassment, the uh, inappropriate touching. Yep. 
the uh, uh, cube crawls, all of the worst Co-opting the nursing room. Oh, God. And taking out milk. Yeah, throwing out breast milk. Yeah, throwing out breast milk so I can put beer in there. Like, honestly, that's... That just makes me angry. Yeah, this that is their. So oh man, the, oh this is uh, an eighteen-year fermented. Oh god, it uh, sure is a, a taste. It's though. a very good year when they get theirs. Yeah, yeah, it sure is a taste, though. Yeah. It is, and with that taste, we're done. We're we did done. it. We did it. We did it in a sweet like forty-five minutes. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Economy Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Virtual Econcast. I am at Footerish F U T T E R I S H, and I'm Amanda Farrow on Twitter. Spell it. No. You can do it. I refuse. If you want me to spell it for you. No. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. I can read it here. A M. Do you need me to stop? No, stop. Going... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can subscribe to our RSS feed at virtualeconcast.com, but don't go to the homepage because it's still broken for like the month that it's been broken i swear i swear i'll fix it when i have time i don't have time right now we're just very busy we're so busy all right uh but you can subscribe to the rss feed there because the podcast feed is still accessible no problem and if you don't want to go to our website which is okay you can also listen to us on all major podcasting platforms including spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast google play amazon stitcher pocket cast and i'm missing pocket sand Ow, that actually, like, that that was thrown with some sincere force there. I want a Pocket Sand t-shirt. I'm just going to throw that out there. So he wants a Pocket Sand shirt, and I want a Quick Hit shirt. I want to, well, if I get a Quick Hit shirt, I have to install something where I push a button on the sleeve, and it does the, the Quick Hit. <laughs> and the other sleeve, I can do, like, the end of Quick Hits. <laughs> or, or you can have it as, like, a, as, like, an XML tag. Like, begin quick hits in tags and then end quick hits on the other side. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? From a design perspective, it's less intrusive than having electronics in your shirt. Click, click. It's time for quick hits. (laughs) It's like a little tinny mic in your arm. You know what I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna say to that? What? No. Everybody wants a little mic in their arm. That's. Nope. Did you hear it that time? I I don't, I didn't mean it it like that. I didn't mean it like that. Did you hear it that time? I don't. Did you hear it that time? I, I did, but it doesn't okay. really mean anything. It doesn't matter. You heard it. I mean... Quit it. You can take that in a really weird direction, but I, anyway, I beg you not to. Anyway, if you enjoyed our business <laughs> shenanigans, um, we'd love it if you would subscribe on your platform of choice. And if it's possible, review the show. We'd love to know what you think. You can tell us in a review. You can email us. You can yeah. tweet us. You can also, hang out with us at a show when you see us. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, please, you know, send us questions. I want questions. Yeah, you can DM us at virtualeconcast. You can send them to podcast.fsquared.biz. We have a Discord server. Uh, just hit us up on the Virtual Econcast uh, Twitter account and we'll send you an invite. Uh, you can join our merry band of people talking about tabletop and fighting games and racing games and all of that fun stuff. It's true. We do shout a lot about the new need for speed. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, uh, update on what's going to be happening. We are heading into earnings season. Woo. Um, given the spread it is but it's not like the one week last quarter we had 13 companies in one week (laughs) things are spread out so i think what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to we're going to try to do earnings in the top half of an episode and then do our you know investment quick hits labor report in the bottom half of the episode and uh move through that as fluidly as possible so we do have some uh some interviews that we're lining up we have some cool stories to tell and those will be coming too. 
But uh, things are going to be in a little bit of uh, a little bit of weird spot because of earnings uh, over the next couple weeks. Just bear with us. Uh, we will publish episodes on the cadence that we're able to as as work is uh, this. It's likely going to be anywhere between like we might continue to be able to do it weekly. We might have to do it biweekly. It really depends on things, how things are going to go. My work is about to kick up quite a bit. I've got a number of contracts that I'm working on. So we'll just have to see. And you know what? As a, as like an aside, um, I did a thing. Oh yeah. Talk about the thing. I did a thing. Uh, Dr. Rachel Cowart, who is the research psychologist over at Take This, which is a mental health nonprofit benefiting the gaming community. So she and I wrote a book. And we're actually writing a series of books called Digital Playgrounds. Yay! The first book came out yesterday. And you can go check out my Twitter if you want more information. It should be, it's available via um, the ETC Press website. It should be available over on Lulu. And eventually I'll be bringing copies to wherever the heck I'm going to be traveling to, I suppose. Hopefully I'll be going to South by Southwest with Rachel in the new year to talk about video games and parenting and kiddos and, you know, how to, how to help kids be safe and help parents be good stewards for online safety and enjoy video games. So that's, that's that. So Digital Playgrounds, Our Kids in Games, Our Kids in Video Games rather, is available now. That's awesome. Yay! Book two will be out next year. Woo! And that's it. That's it. We will see you uh, soon. You remember? We'll to, see you when we see you. Yeah. Wash your hands. Stay hydrated. Uh, be good to one another. You know, we'll be back. If you're happy and lucky. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll talk to you soon.